Hello and welcome to the Marketing That Matters podcast, casual conversations for purpose-driven women. Each week we'll talk about what's grabbed our attention, productivity hacks making our life easier, and chat about a purpose-led brand. Hi Jade, Um, today on the podcast we're going to talk about using niceties in emails so and whether or not women versus men have the same pressure to be kind in their emails we're also talking about the flex commerce era jade loves the terms flex you love it (laughs) and what that means our brand our purpose-led brand for the week is js health jessica seeples um an australian nutritionist and we talk about her success through a social media platform So Alicia, I don't know about you, but I am one to use these all the time. No worries if, I'm just wondering if, or I completely understand if you can't. I use these lines all the time in my emails and even my text messages, Um, or even the use of a lot of exclamation marks so people know that I'm being nice. Mm. Um, And women now are being told to remove the exclamation marks from our emails and text messages and stop using the word I'm just all the time. But the question still remains, do we are we doing this just as an act of courtesy or is this a product of sexism so rebecca reed who's written a book titled the power of rude argues that women should be adopting what she calls positive rudeness and it's very interesting she says very often we as women mitigate our behavior in an attempt to avoid being regarded as aggressive bossy or controlling positive rudeness is about freeing yourself from that fear and embracing the idea that someone might think you are rude. It allows you to focus on what you want or need rather than worrying about someone else's opinion of you. So what do you think? So I just want to break down what you said. Yeah. You're talking about emails particularly. Emails in particular, but I find I do the same thing in say like text messages or like my WhatsApp group. I'm still very much the use the same kind of language. Okay. So in you're using these, what are we calling them? niceties yeah i guess yeah like you're using niceties to make you make you sound less assertive or less um and because you feel that it's just been a habit ingrained into you yeah definitely like i i always rewrite things a hundred times going i hope i don't sound rude or i hope i don't sound like i'm asking too much yeah particularly so let's say particularly in corporate world yes definitely yeah um i think being a female a senior female in the business business we tend to rethink how we're framing a task um more than possibly men do and is it a fact that we definitely people think that we should use niceties or is it just in our head is a society thing like would you think from the receiving end someone would expect a female to say Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Love your work at the end of an email. Can I give you an example? You can tell me whether, because I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's ingrained in us to um, not ask too much and not be a burden and to not be so demanding. Mm -hmm. But then I also think people expect more from women in that way. You're supposed to be nice. You're supposed to be very helpful. And if you're not, that's a problem, especially in the corporate world. I've um, been pulled up before for not putting enough niceties in an email. And that that did come across as rude. Wow. Okay. Would a male have been picked up for that? I don't know. Yeah. I can't I I can't I haven't heard of someone saying that, but but yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, well, I think Rebecca Reed um what she wrote about in this book 
title The Power of Rude has a really valid point because I hadn't thought about it in a women versus men argument before. And she's argumenting on the women's side, saying that we should adopt this positive rudeness. I think the more women, the more women stop with the niceties, the more it will become the norm. Yeah. But I definitely think it's not. It's still around. For example, I used to use smiley faces on the end of every email. Pretty much just to show that whatever I had been demanding in my email, I'm still happy about it. You know, I would put smiley face at the end, smiley face at the end. And to begin this year, actually last year, 2020, I said no more smiley faces. No more smiley faces. So it's like that is so junior and I'm not doing it anymore. I then found myself in a position where I pulled up someone on Um, something that I expected should be what I paid for. So, you know, we asked a service of someone. Then when I got the, when I got it back, the work back, it had something missing, a few things missing that I expected was paid for and that I had asked for. I didn't put a smiley face on it. I just said, you know, um, reviewing the work, this hasn't been done, this hasn't been done. Didn't use a smiley face. Then (laughs) I was almost... They came back and said, I don't appreciate being spoken to like that. And I actually wasn't meaning to be rude. I was literally just saying, this is what I expected. Mm. If I, and I put a smiley face on the, on the, on my reply, like, no, wasn't, ex- we're just, ex- just asking whether or not yeah. this, this, and this can be addressed. Smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you shouldn't have to put a smiley no. face in your emails so that people read them in a positive tone. Yes. Yeah. But then I feel like if I had to begin with, maybe it wouldn't have been looked upon as me being angry because I wasn't. Mm. However, maybe I should just pick up the phone and talk. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think that is part probably part of the problem. We are so used to communicating now by email, text messages, and things are in the written form. And when you don't have a tone to someone's voice and you're just reading the words, it, things can come across more demanding or you know, more positive than they're supposed to be. Yes. So it, it's a real art to write an email using the language that is conveying the tone in which you talk to people. It, yes. it is. It yes. can be difficult. So I think that has a lot to do with it as well, not just the women versus men thing. Yes, agree. Um, it's also the habit and maybe because I was in a habit of doing smiley faces that I thought I should have, but maybe it mm. always would have come across that way. Yeah. Just because I was asking more. I don't know. Um but I definitely think that this balance, I think you'll find a lot of people have had to look at the balance of the niceties in emails. And to be honest, I sometimes will write the email out and go back and put the niceties in after. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I rewrite emails all the time. Yeah. yeah. And I'll, so I'll write out, okay, you know, especially when you're busy and you're flicking off 10 emails and you just bang, you know, email off, email off. I actually, before I send, go back up top hi how are you going i hope you're having a, how are the family you know that sort of thing i put that back in the top <laughs> okay okay send so yeah yeah and maybe maybe there needs to be not we don't need to do that as much i'm not sure <laughs> i know i we should have actually had a man on the podcast to see whether they do have some of the same i'd be interested to see in a male in the corporate world do they have some of the same Pressures. Pressures on this that we do. Agree. I'd be very interested. I'm, I'm assuming they, they don't as much because I'm, 
I would hope that she did a lot of research in regarding this book to write that. Yeah. Um, I think, though, calling it positive rudeness, I think rudeness makes it seem more negative than it is. Yeah. Um, maybe just being more assertive is a, is a better way to explain it. Um, but she did say that being kind is allowing someone to go ahead of you in a queue because they seem stressed and busy. Being afraid of being rude means allowing them to do it because you're too scared to say anything. So I think that's important that there's a difference in terms of being kind, but being afraid of being rude as well. Being afraid of being rude is the debilitating part. Yeah, sure. and that she hits the nail on the head there. That is what what we just said. We put those niceties in because we're afraid of how we're going to come across. Yes. We're afraid that someone's going to take it the wrong way. Yes, and it yeah. took me look till, till October to be pulled up on. I hadn't been using Smiley Face till October. <laughs> And I hadn't been, and I look, I was going well. I hadn't yeah. been considered rude, I don't think, from my clients so far. Not clients, but suppliers, I guess. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the being afraid of being rude definitely is why we put so many of them in. There is a balance to be found, and I think you'll find your own. You find your own balance yeah. as you go in your career. Yeah. Definitely, as a junior. It's better to at least look. Here I am putting us in a box again. I'm, I'm going to say, as a junior, it's better to sound nicer than being. You can come across too strong. Yeah, but would they say the same about a, a male junior coming across too strong? True. I don't know. Interesting. Let us know. We would love to hear if you guys um, have the same issues around putting your niceties in your emails and are you going to be adopting positive rudeness like we're trying to do? And have you found a balance? Mm. Like, What is your balance or what, what rules do you have like I have with smiley faces? What rules do you have? Yeah. I tried to stop using the word just Okay. and I find it really hard. I find it really hard to word my sentences in a different way without using that word. True. I remember mm. I stopped a few years ago saying I was wondering. <laughs> Yeah, that's similar kind of thing. Yeah. Rather than just asking for what you're. Yeah, I think I stopped that um, in one of my final years at Channel Nine, actually, because I would always start with, "I was wondering if you could," rather than, "Could you please?" Yeah, could you please, or can you? Yeah, I was wondering. I was wondering. (laughs) Yeah. Stop wondering. (laughs) Stop wondering and just ask. Yes. Do you need to dive deep into your brand and discover your brand's purpose? Do you want to connect in a more meaningful way to your customer but don't know how? Does your marketing lack purpose or you don't know how you differ to your competitors? Our Find Your Purpose package includes a two-hour workshop in Perth or via Zoom, a marketing strategy report with your purpose at the core, advice on how to implement your new marketing strategy, plus content ideas and supplier contacts. And don't forget, it comes with follow-up calls with us and email support. Book now at marketingthatmatters.com.au. I want to hear from you. What's got my attention this week is an article called The Flex Commerce Era written by Anna Angelic. Anna Angelic is a strategy executive author of The Business of Aspiration and one of Forbes, the world's most influential CMOs. She has worked at the world's top brands and advertising agencies. So Flex Commerce is a demonstration of one's taste, wokeness and cultural savvy through their spending. Flex commerce isn't new, but has recently become more intriguing thanks to our inability to show off through the latest season's clothing or travel. Instead of fancy clothing and fancy destinations, there are Spotify hashtag 2020 wrapped to show off one's taste, along with bookcases, vinyl collections, nature walks, plant colonies, cooking adventures, workouts, home improvement projects, (laughs) podcasts as it goes on. Why this got my attention, Jade, is 
how does this latest trend in cultural exchange relate to everyday branding for companies? So how can we break this theory down to create more emotional connection with consumers in 2021? This is what people are interested in. This is what people are sharing, what, they're, what they want to be associated with. How does this flex commerce era, how can we um, break this down to benefit brands and small businesses, I guess? Yeah. Am I right that this is basically, it's another, it's another way of showing off? In, yeah, in a we're way. flexing. Yeah, That's for, the thing, yeah. flexing. So, um, gosh, some of these words, I'm like, I really need to get up with them. Uh, <laughs> words we're using these days, like woke and, um, or like demonstrating your status as well. Well, so why the article came about, and we'll put the link to the article in the show notes, was a way people used to flex, a way people used to show off before COVID time was the latest clothing yeah. outfits. But now... You know, not, we're not going out nearly as no much, or especially, yeah. yeah, especially those in lockdown aren't going out at all. But, um, you know, we're not, we're not going, we're not socializing as much. And then you also, people aren't going these holidays, especially those people that would right. usually go on these big holidays. Like a European summer. Totally. Yeah. Um, so those that would, and also there's just, it's just changing the way people are demonstrating, um, I don't know, their enjoyment in life. It's changing because they are inside yeah <laughs> and um so what they're saying is last year the way of flexing changed to nature walks you know what nature walks have you been on you yeah. know people were showing where they're going and using mm. nature or people were using um their their organization of their home yeah or they're really extravagant diy stuff yes and, yeah. um or yeah just all their podcasts they listen to like it's just a different way of flexing. And so yeah. what the latest trends, culture exchanges people are using to demonstrate and then how your brand could then possibly capitalize on this, on how you could show off your brand as being one of these cultural exchanges. Yeah. Give you an example. Say you're, um, say you're a, a shoe brand yeah. and um, how would you insert yourself into this um culture exchange so it could be that you collect them so your collector's item you know you've got you have you got every color um and then showing ways of um laying that out you know that's that kind of is the way of flexing and then how can your brand show that yeah yeah Mm. i like where they said um a plant colony needs to be nurtured and loved as much as it needs to be Instagrammed. Because <laughs> so funny, so many people have all these like indoor plants, yeah. and I'm like, can't keep one plant alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But are those people keeping them alive? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or are they just on Instagram and then they died three months later? Those plants. Or are they even their plants? They could be off Pinterest. Well, that's a very good point. I know. I have been noticing. I'm way too people, trusting. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people aren't sourcing where they're getting their images from. I do notice that because I'm like, that is definitely not your home and that is definitely not your plant. Yeah, so um, they said externally flex commerce forces brands to define their role in the world to surround their products with intangible flex. And I think that that's really interesting because intangible flex to me is more about the purpose-driven stuff. So like as well, like, so um, for example, that shoe brand, I can afford this shoe brand and they do this in the world. They okay. have this four good the element intangible. as well. Well, yeah. that's a, I think that's a different type. You know, I think we're talking about two different types, types. of flexes yeah. and that's, it's interesting you talk about the intangible flex because that's where the purpose comes into it. Yeah. And um, probably more so 
what we're seeing brands do these days, like the association of then being associated to that brand because it does such a thing. Yeah. So therefore that's, that's definitely how people are starting to, and it's, it's only for good. It can only do good if people start associating themselves. And then also, especially sharing that if it's standing up for something you believe in. Yeah. Um, so I liked how she speaks about, um, um, time being an important factor as to how much you can actually enforce this in your life because wouldn't we all like to support local business but takes time to find them or you know mm. things that are associated or using things that enrich our lives who has time for this but if you do you definitely want to tell people about it yeah um so it's one thing to find it one thing to you know to do all these what they're talking about what we're interested in but it's actually another thing to go out and share that and then and and also do it in a creative way. So the article says, things that transform non-culture into culture and let us see ourselves, not as just consumers, but as a collector. So don't we all want to want um, to be considered as just not an average consumer, but with a interesting ways of, um, of consuming? Mm. So we want to be considered as we're not just, we don't just consume because we're told to. We consume for a purpose. We consume yeah. because we... We're enriching our lives for this, this, or this. Yeah, it makes you feel something. Yeah, yeah, but that all takes time. That is, I think that's probably the juxtaposition with this whole article is how do you have that balance of being the enriched consumer, flexing it, like, and then also live your life. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I don't have um, enough time, like she's saying, to think about that and then mm-hmm. do something about it, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And I think... The only time I would as a consumer, um, like I'm not a shoe collector or anything like Mm. that, but the only time I probably would make the time to share something in that regard is something that had a purpose behind it. Sure. If I was that passionate about it and they were doing something that I really, really believed in, would I take the time and the effort to go and do it? Yes. And I'm not an, that's not the same for every consumer, but I think that's worth keeping in mind. Yeah. Mm. Um, it says flex commerce is a business and brand strategy that creates, delivers and captures social and cultural value of products and services and turns it into a business value. So it's a business strategy that creates, delivers and captures a social or cultural value mm. and turns it into a business value. So it's almost, this is really interesting to talk about, especially when you're about to bring a p- purpose in Yeah, because you're essentially creating what this what this article is talking about is essentially where we want the business to get to after it's created a purpose as a business value. Yeah. Because as we talk about, purpose shouldn't just be sitting in the marketing department. It should be sitting from the top down. It should be yeah. sitting in every aspect. So I think this is actually quite relevant to to just generally what we are trying to say with how brands brand purpose can enrich a business life. Yeah, definitely. And then where that goes and what the end goal is is essentially exactly what we're saying. Yeah. For, for a consumer to not only just feel like they're a consumer, but to feel like they, it's enriching their lives and adds value in yeah. whatever way. I know, I know I just said that. I don't have time to like flex anything. But <laughs> flex anything. You don't go to the gym, Jane? <laughs> don't have moment. But um, if I was to ask you, as a consumer, can mm-hmm. you think of a way that you are flexing in some way? And as re- relate that as a consumer, relate that to a product that you might be showing off, demonstrating. Can can you think of one? I would say no, not off the top of my head. 
I would say that if, if you just asked me generally of what products I would be happy to quickly without thinking about flexing that yeah. I use and then why, like I could definitely say that Apple I would be happy to. Yeah. But then I'm not, I don't know what they said. Like I can't say, the only thing is. But I don't think, you you don't purposely like say go on your Instagram and oh, no, 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 do no. a story of, you know, your Apple laptop just sitting there on your desk or something. No, no, no. Okay. If I was to, if I was to purposely flex about, you know what I actually, I would purposely flex about is definitely community events. I'm all for that. So if I was to go down to the local markets and I did, mm. I, I wrote something up there, come down to the local mark, trig markets, um, you know, Get amongst it, guys. Support local. 100% supporting local mm. businesses. I am yes. all for flexing. Yeah. Um, that I'm there, that I'm enjoying them, that I purchased. Like Because if that helps one or two more people come and purchase something, then I've helped a small business. Yeah. How about you? Pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. I think anything that I would flex about <laughs> um, on any platform. I love that you're so to- awkward <laughs> saying that word. I'll, I'll tell you how. Anyway, um, yeah, I, same thing. Small businesses, I'm happy to promote, or businesses or products that have a real purpose-driven cause behind them. I will um, like, happily happily shout from the rooftops and want to talk about that as well. Which, which I think is why we bang on about it being so so important. Exactly, and I think if I have purchased something and see that they're supporting something that I'm passionate about too. I would definitely feel more in, in like in, obliged to share it. Yeah. Um, I don't have my, in my personal account. I don't have lots of followers, so it's not like I'm going to make a huge difference. <laughs> but I, yeah, everything mm. counts, I guess. Yeah. Um, so you're right. If it's something I'm genuinely care for, I will yeah. flex. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to know which marketing activities will generate the best ROI for your business? Do you know you need to market your business, but you don't know where to start? Do you have a handle on the whole marketing thing, but you want to make sure you're on the right track? Our coaching package was designed with you in mind, with a two-hour coaching consultation and a customized report to help you implement your new marketing strategy. You can handle your marketing with confidence. And don't forget, it comes with follow-up calls and email support from us. Book now at marketingthatmatters.com.au. I want to hear from you. The brand we're looking at this week is JS Health. Jessica Siepel is an Australian nutritionist, best-selling author of three books and the founder of wellness brand JS Health, which features the JS Health vitamins and the JS Health app. Starting with the e-books, Jessica has grown the business to 7 million in revenue in 2019. That coincided with the launch of the app and the vitamins. Amazing. Incredible. And I don't know about you, Alicia, but I'm seeing the vitamins pop up everywhere, yeah. social media, um, pretty much every platform. Mm. On their website, she says she is passionate about empowering people around the world to ditch dieting and embrace the balance in their health journey. Um, specifically, she says, I'm passionate about empowering people to give up dieting, nourish their bodies naturally and find balance with food and fitness for life. Now... I wanted to say to you that I've followed this brand for a while. So um, obviously because I'm studying nutrition, um, I came across her on Instagram a while ago. So I was following her when she released her first book. Wow. Um, and so she's released two since then, since I've been following her, then the app and now the vitamins. And the mm. vitamins have only been in the last couple of years and they have taken off massively. So for me, I've been around the brand for a while. So I'm interested to see, and you said you didn't know much about the brand. Yeah. So I'm interested to hear your point of view on it compared to mine um, when I've been following her for a while. 
Yes. So JS Health was very new to me. However, I have quickly learned about her. And wow, what a success story for a young Australian woman, lady, who has kept things as real as she can and been rewarded massively for it. When I was trying to dig to the to the essence of her success of this JS Health brand, what I found was she just couldn't she she owes all her success to opening her life up and being real and and people people flocked to her for it. Mm-hmm. And yes, she she probably jumped on it at a time where um, the influencer was starting to yeah take you know get massive be massive and she was definitely one of those that was at the forefront of the start of it versus jumping on after lots of people had become successful um in an article in dynamic business she says we believe that js health's biggest strength has always been the community instagram is an incredible platform that helped me foster this a strong loyal community naturally led leads to organic growth for a brand so we've been very lucky in that respect and look looking at what her her instagram strategy is half of it is actually just sharing what people say and how they like it like she's yeah. she is a huge one who uses testimonials yeah. as like content. frank body do like we were saying in our early episodes totally yeah. like yeah. half her content is just people telling her how how and to be honest it's it's a fantastic strategy mm. because we you know that people are more inclined to buy from someone who's used the brand yeah. and someone who doesn't seem to be paid to be saying it. Yeah. I think that's really important, like you said, about Instagram because I think that's really the key success to the vitamin products, mm-hmm. um, that they're one of the first brands in that category to utilize social media in a strategic way. Yeah. You don't really see other vitamin companies. Well, now there are. Well, yeah, now there are. But, but if, then... you think about, if you think about the products... Her products wouldn't be too dissimilar to the ones you'd find in Chemist mm. Warehouse. I think they might even stock her products now in Chemist Warehouse. But those brands weren't, and they've been around for years, but those yes. brands weren't on there in social media in a big way, utilising it the way she did. Totally. She found she had a following. She capitalised on that, hence she made the vitamins. You know, she could honest, mm. she could see people who were asking for um uh, asking her for advice. Yeah. And she was able to create a product to answer what they needed and wanted and now people are can't rave more about these vitamins honestly i want to get them yeah <laughs> like what does it do to your hair yeah <laughs> i see this and i want it <laughs> exactly the only thing i would say is i when i was doing a lot of research to about this um a lot of articles came up on like the daily mail like uh, yeah. mom grew she- back her hair post so postpartum hair loss and so I'm not sure if the, that content is generated from them or if that's just organic content, but I would just want them to be cautious of becoming in the infomercial type category and them going to um, salesy, I guess, if sure. you like. Do so you think, think some of that would have been paid for Daily Mail? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Mm. Um, but I saw that too and I yeah. just thought, well, she's an influencer and... Yeah, people want to talk about it. And people want to hear about it. And I'm hoping that's the case. Um but I just I would want them to just be cautious of that because I wouldn't want that brand to um, become that. Um, what's the example I can think of? You know that thin Lizzie makeup. Do you remember? Uh, that, do yeah. you want that kind of thing? Yes, I um, don't think I don't think she needs to worry about it. Only yeah. because she does just following on Instagram. Only since um, we've decided to look at this brand, 
she seems very aware that her brand is the face of this company. Yeah, she's very clever. Do you, did is. you um, come across uh, what, she, what happened with her wedding? Yes. Yeah. So they had, um, she got so much coverage yeah. over their wedding just because they had a, um, you know, clean wedding yes. with um, clean food and things like that. Yeah. And the press she got from that was amazing. Yeah. So she's obviously working with um, some very talented PR people or she's just really good at that yeah. as an individual. Yeah. I, oh, she, I, and in every article I've read that she has spoken about the brand, she understands that it's, um, that it's from her and yeah so I'll I'll read another thing she said she goes when I first started out I was sharing my healthy tips healthy recipes and advice on nutrition in fact I still share a lot of a lot with my community I've always believed in providing people with a service and being of value I guess that's what my Instagram has grown it has really helped people live a healthy life and overcome dieting calorie counting and deprivation so she's answering she's doing it in a clean way She's, she's understanding what they are trying to avoid and she seems like she's inserting herself into this. She's trying to maintain um, down to earth with the brand. Yeah. Which helps when your name's on the front of it. Yeah. And she's fantastic at storytelling. I can, yeah. I can even recite a story to you now about how um, some of the things that she's dealt with anxiety wise and things like that. Also how, you know, she walked down the street and chucked her scales in the, in a, um, and a bin and things like that. Mm. So the fact that she's really good at storytelling, because I can mm. remember them even now, totally. is fantastic. What I don't want to skip over, though, with the vitamins is the use of the influencers. I think that's had a huge impact on that as well. Yeah. Like I've seen them on a lot of high-profile influencers on, on Instagram and yeah. they've obviously been paid posts, I would assume. Yeah. Um, so that's something that's also contributed to that. Yeah. No, she's um she's done she's done a fantastic job and it's a, definitely a brand to to follow on Instagram to um to watch how she engages with her community because it's given it's she literally pays tribute to Instagram for her success. Yeah. And um it's not yeah, she's only growing. Yeah. So she's definitely worked out how best to have that balance of value add mm. and then also products products and yeah. get so you know she's she keeps a a, a good um, balance of yeah. selling versus adding value and also listening to your community about what they want so obviously the vitamins came from her conversing with the community on instagram yeah. and realizing that that was something they needed yeah which i think it's really important mm. we say all the time about talking to your customers not just actually putting information out there, actually having conversations with them. Yeah. And as I said, she's actually putting her customers on her platform. Like, you know, with all mm. these posts, that's her customers' words about, so she's not only, she's not only hearing them, she's sharing them. Yeah. Which is, we've said, I've, and I think I've put in most of the social media content plans I've done for clients, there's always a testimonial aspect of it. Yeah. And this is a great example um, when you're looking at content for those testimonials of how it's done well. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So definitely check them out. I think they have three different pages on Instagram. So JS Health herself, so Jessica, then one for the app and one for the vitamins. I did see that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Alicia, people keep asking me where they should be online. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok. It all seems like a lot. Well, Jade, our online marketing landscape workshop will help those businesses streamline their marketing to focus on the activities that will be most effective for the business. What will they do at the workshop? In this workshop, you'll learn the current online media landscape, 
where best to spend your time and energy online, benefits, negatives, and relatability for each channel for your brand, how each channel relates to the customer purchase journey, and how to pinpoint if an online channel is working for you. Visit marketingthatmatters.com.au to book your spot now. Our workshops are based in Perth. Okay, so my hack for this week is decluttering your digital space. And I heard a great hack from the Minimalist podcast, which I've been loving at the moment, especially going to 2021. I just found myself a little bit agitated with stuff. So I've been decluttering and I want to talk about decluttering your digital space. A good hack I heard is when you take photos, go as soon as you've taken those photos, go back, name one of them with who's in it and what year it's in and delete the rest. Then when you want to look back at your year, you can search. You know that those those photos have all been named by the year, but they've also been named with who's in it. And how the, why this helps is because you can search, I can search Jade and all the photos from that year will come up. If you're a small business owner and you bury your head in the sand with numbers like I do, try giving the Claire Wood podcast a listen. Claire is a Brisbane-based business coach and she makes finance seem easy and doable. That covers it for this week. Make sure you leave us a review or follow us on Instagram at Marketing That Matters Pod. We love a chat. Thanks for listening to the Marketing That Matters podcast. Podcast.